Her son's name is Caleb. Not the Caleb you're referring to. I don't, I don't know that I was referring to any Caleb, so. But there it was. Okay. We handouts are right there in front of you to kind of follow along where I'm going. So if if you're if you've lost where I've gone, it's probably because I haven't been very clear. And if you've lost where I've gone, don't hesitate to go. Where are you on this list as we go down? We are in Genesis chapter one. We had two two whole verses to cover last week, and we got through part of one. So we are going to continue in that part of one. Uh, we were looking at the creation of man. Uh, we were at that point, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God said, I'm reading from the ESV, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. So right there, we looked at last week, this exposes, reveals to us the triune God. We've seen, we saw the Spirit of God hovering on the waters, but now we see Him specified as Elohim. The word God is plural. It is a plural word for God. El is the Hebrew word for God, singular. Elohim is plural, but Israel knows God in Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, one, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. God is one God. But there is a plurality within that God, and you see that revealed right away in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, he says, let us make man after our image. We talked about this at great length, that God is spirit. You know, how do we know God is spirit and not a physicality? Because Jesus Christ himself said, God is spirit. Those who would worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. So when it says he made, let us make man in our image, we understand that it's not a physicality. We do know that God the Son is physical now. As Christ was raised and there was physicality to him, a new different kind of physicality. He was popped into rooms and popped out of rooms. Go, I can't do that. He still ate, though, and he was still tactile, so they could still touch him. Um, so in that sense, God is now a physicality. Our brother, as Hebrews tells us, as we're studying through Hebrews, uh, in our men's group, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is physical, but God the Father is spirit. No man has seen God. Um, so how does man... How is man after his image? It would be in the immaterial. We threw a list up there. There's a lot of things of the immaterial God that we are not. We are not omnipresent. We are not omnipotent. We are not omniscient. I have to ask you what you're thinking. It's very annoying when somebody tells you what you're thinking. You go, dude, do I have like a little television set up there that's telling you what I'm thinking? No, you have to actually ask me. That's what conversation is about. So those omnis are not us. Also, we are not immutable. We are not unchangeable. God is that. So it's in his creative characteristics. In, his, in our relational abilities, in our cognition, in our spiritual nature. And we looked at a whole list of things. It was very interesting. Very, this very morning, I saw an article on evolution. Why, why did Homo sapiens continue, but Homo neanderthalus and the other cavemen did not continue on? And they alluded to the creative power of Homo sapiens and the adaptability. And you go, oh, intriguing. It's always fun to watch people hypothesize about God's creation without actually just... I want you to just like go into the Word and see what it says there. It's the, that's the world right now. God said that man would have dominion. This is still from last week, and we just started to touch on it last week. Dominion over everything on the earth. 
dominion over everything on the earth, and we was, does that include man? And I would argue that it does, that we are to even have dominion over ourselves. And so let's kind of flesh that out. What is this dominion? Kind of our first point today, which would be point two on your outline. There, what is this dominion? Um, dominion can have a, a negative connotation to it, right? When you think dominion, what do you think? Control. Yeah, okay. But not in the positive sense. Right. You, can, you can change the word a little bit and call it domination. It's not good. But there is a positive sense of dominion. How how can that be? How can that word be understood positively? Change it a little bit, domesticated. Okay, I don't know if it's the same root. They both start with D O M. Yeah. But. Okay, there, there is a sense of domestication. Right. What, what is behind that word domestication as well? Huh? I was a place of comfort. Comfort? Where you live. Home? To bring order to domestication, domestic animals. Okay, I'm sorry? Tamed. Tamed? That, that's exactly one of my examples here. She didn't read my notes. That's my wife. But, um, I, I wrote to tame a thing. To, to go, dominion is to take disorder and bring order to it. Think of wild horses. There's, there's my example. Wild horses. Um, I've not seen any for real. I've seen them on TV. And wild horses. I mean, pretty cool. You know, so running across the, the plains or whatever, they're just hanging out there and they're just wild horses. Bah. Okay. Um, but what do they do other than look cool? Yeah, not much. They run away. They make little horses, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't do anything. They just, just, they don't do anything. But what can happen when you tame a horse? You know, up until the late 1800s, when did Henry Ford, when was the automobile created? But anyway, late 1800s, there before that, it was the horse. The thousands of years before that, it was the horse, chariots, even in scripture. So, uh, you know, just transportation, um, uh, war. Vehicles, all those kinds of things. So incredible what can happen when man has dominion over the horse. Races. Horse races. Corn, wild corn. Okay, somebody had to come across corn at some point in our past. Go, wow, wild corn. Yeah, it tastes pretty good. Do good stuff with it. Okay, but you go, well, there's a stock here and there's like a stock over there. Well, that's helpful. That's nice. That's good. But what happens when I take that and I cultivate land and I start planting it? Maybe it's like this. Well, some gets planted too close together and, you know, some is far apart and I waste some ground and the birds come. But what if, you know, what if I plant a neat rose with the proper spacing? Whoa, man. So, you know, you drive through Iowa when a Tureco or whatever the, whatever that thing was that blew through today and no kidding, laid the corn all flat. What a tragedy that was. But during the heart of the heart of the time of harvest there, where you've got these fields of corn taller than I am, it's just incredible. Fields and fields and acres and acres, as far as you can see, these rolling beautiful hills of corn. How did that come about? Dominion. Yeah, dominion is a good thing. So what about humanity? Man in isolation. 
scattered, strewn about the countryside. You know, just a guy living by himself, hunting bows and arrows and stuff. It's always, it's always shown as something noble and wonderful in the movies. But in reality, how much gets done? Yeah, not much. Barn raisings. You know, what, what, what is a barn raising? And what do they do? How fast do they build a barn? In a day. Dude, boom. The barn is up in a day. <laughs> you know, it makes my head swim. Tracy knows what it's like for me to build something. It takes months and months and months, and then it's all crooked, like Kellen and Hobbes kind of building. But when people come together, and we see, we see in God's design here... We'll get into the be fruitful and multiply, but the, the nucleus of this dominion is right there. I mean, there's a beautiful picture of it on the, on the we scale, and here's a beautiful picture of it on the other end of the scale. Um, dominion, family, there. We bring order. There's commitment there. Uh, and there is flourishing there as and we're going to see this when we start looking at differences in gender the man is in many ways restrained and domesticated and tamed and I don't mean that in an evolutionary sort of way but we'll see how man and woman are created differently so then if we are to have dominion, how are we to look at the earth and the relationship of humanity to it? I used a word last week that I think really encapsulates it nicely. Remember what that word was? Our, yes, we are, we are a steward. Is it on the paper? Did I write stewardship? Yeah, okay. It's nice when the teacher gives the answers to the test. <laughs> it is a stewardship. It is a glorious thing that it, it is a stewardship. You know, it's, and, and in a lot of ways, that, that's a relief. You know, it's not mine, and I don't have to worry about it as mine. It's his, and I'm merely the caretaker of it. Man is the one to bring order and God sees this as a good thing. So in part of our bringing order to it, we are free to utilize it. Okay, we are free to utilize the things over which we have dominion. What are some ways we utilize the earth or the creatures of the earth? Huge. Uh, in days of old, before before tractors, oxen hooking hooking up a yoke of oxen. There. We can cut down a tree. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and oh, by the way, if you want to make farmland, you better cut down some trees. You know, to make that wide open spot where we can do this as opposed to trying to grow up between the trees. And oh, by the way, then the sunlight doesn't come and land on the corn. And so the corn's not going to grow or wheat or whatever. Good wheat. How else do we use the, the earth? Okay. Okay, they help, they help to pollinate, you know, bring it with oh, bees, bees, are you crazy? And whoever thought of that the first time? I don't think I'm going to keep bees. They sting you, man. Good on them. Okay, what else do we do with the things of the earth? Create electricity. Okay, eventually. We eat them. We eat the things of the earth. That's okay. That's good. That is good. We'll, we'll get to that here a little bit later. 
Um, it is important, and apart from God's word, you're not going to get this understanding that man is above the earth in the order of creation. The earth is not created in God's image. Man is created in God's image. The earth does not have stewardship over man. Man has stewardship over the earth. And you can really get this completely cattywampus. Uh, This is a quote from John Hoven, who is a senator from North Dakota. He's a conservative. Okay? He's a conservative. This is what he wrote. On Earth Day, we celebrate all the gifts the world and nature make available to us. We recognize our complete dependence on its bounty, and we acknowledge the need for good stewardship to preserve its fruits for future generations. The gifts the world and nature make available to us. Okay. What's missing? God. God is missing from this. You know, does the earth bring forth, God called the earth to bring forth its fruit and the like, and it does at God's call. And at man's stewardship, it brings it forth in even greater abundance that way. But God, God is the actor. This is God's. And this is one of the important things, really, as a farmer or as a human being. You can do all you can do. The farmer can plow. He can use the animals to plow. He can throw the rocks, cut the trees down, plant the very best seed, and locusts come in and destroy the entire crop. Well, whose fault was that? Man. Nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. That's nobody's fault. It was just... If we want to blame somebody, we could blame the living God. Because God is sovereign over all things. The increase, I can do everything, but the increase comes from God's hand, not from mine. Again, that's a great relief, and sometimes that can be just a heart-wrenching, ripping tragedy and difficulty to sit like Job in the ash heap and weep at the loss of all of his stuff include his, his family and kids. But there is a thing, there is a thing that's important for us to, well, let me talk about elevating um, the earth above man, but we also, people want to elevate critters above man. You know, and I, I love pet people. I love pet people. And there are some pets that I like. But dogs are not people. Cats, cats are not people. Newts, you know, the the spotted salamander in Oakland County is not a people. And when we, when we raise Critters to the level of people, uh, they just recently voted in Great Britain for chimpanzees to have the rights of man. And you go, I don't know, you know, you know chimpanzees aren't, aren't you know, looking to end slavery around the world and stop human sexual trafficking and those kinds of things. They're just going to eat your bananas and mess up your sofa. Um, So, but there is a sense of poor stewardship. Okay, don't get me wrong. There is poor stewardship. What, What is that? What does poor stewardship look like? It can, I would say greed can lead to poor, poor stewardship. So what are some th- concrete things where you go, 
Dude, that's not good. Okay. Um, blah, 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 you know, you're just you're just waylaying the forests all around, and pretty soon there are no forests. Uh, we still need lumber. Throwing trash out wherever you want to throw it. Okay, let's a, a, let's take a, a really grotesque example. Let's go back to the late 1800s. Yeah. England? 1800s England. It just wasn't the stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And there, you know, the whole idea of hygiene and waste, human waste, it just kind of went in the street. And they built troughs. There were troughs for it to run down, but. Ah. There are places today where that still happens. Okay. Yes. And you know what else you find there? Diseases. 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 Okay. Wretched, horrible diseases. And so stewardship is an important thing. Um, is there animal abuse? Yeah. Um, there is a way, there are ways to grow lots of animals in a healthy way for the animal that we ultimately kill them and we eat them and that's okay. But there are also some really, really wretched ways to grow animals to kill them. You know, some, some chicken farms I've, I've seen on television go, ick. You know, where they just gorge them to the point of killing, almost killing them. They overfeed them so much. Uh, that's how you get a really big, fat, juicy chicken that you can go buy from Sam's. You know, all cooked and ready to go. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. You know, where did it come from? It's like sausage. You don't want to know. But there is good stewardship. There is good stewardship and there is bad stewardship. And as as Stewards, we should speak into these things. We should. When we see bad things happening, when we see um, uh, horses abused, when we see uh, the crazy cat lady who's got you know twenty-seven cats in her house, and you walk in and it's like you hit a wall of stench, you go, "That's not a good stewardship." There's, there are t- Proverbs. Man, I love Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast. I'm going to eat it. Yeah, but it ain't dead yet. And when I kill it, I'm going to kill it quickly and humanely. Is there a humane way to kill an animal? Yes. Yes. regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. It almost sounds like a contradiction. The mercy of the wicked is cruel. Proverbs 17, 23. That was Proverbs 12, 10. Proverbs 27, 23, sorry. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. Care for your critters. Care for your critters. So we kind of alluded to bad stewardship. What would, what would, how would good stewardship look? Of the earth, of humanity, of critters. Okay, they would be healthy. We would see healthy things. Okay, so might I contend that there would be a beauty to it and maybe an order to it, orderliness? Um, you know, 
Complete order with no diversity can be ugly. Order with some diversity in it can be beautiful. There, you know, a garden, uh, an arboretum, a park, beautiful. Beauty, order, productivity, and health were the things that came to my mind when I thought of good stewardship. So this is what God has called us to. And so when environmentalists speak up and want to elevate the earth, we go, yes, we want to be steward of the earth, but the earth is not man. The earth has no responsibility over itself. And the earth does pretty good at cleaning itself. You know, shipwrecks, uh, oil spills. You know, 10 years later you go, you'll never know that there was an oil spill there because the, the earth just... That doesn't mean that we oughtn't be good stewards. So it's important for us to listen when we hear environmentalists speak. It's rare that you hear an environmentalist who is not going to raise the earth or the animals above the status of man. So it's important for us to then show that we are stewards of this beautiful planet in, on which we live and which we use, actually. Any other thoughts on dominion before I move on? Well, isn't it funny because it just seems so hypocritical from evolution. And I read an article the other day that was not about evolution, but about something else. And there was like one little line in there that was like, we have evolved so much that now we're smart enough to take care of it. And I was like, how can some how can something out of nothing create something smarter than itself to take care of it? <laughs> the survival of the fittest says I don't care. As long as I get it. There's yeah, a, exactly. There's a big push to to uh, reforestate desert areas and in India. India is the biggest permaculture project called Pony, where they've taken desert areas, and because of how their watersheds are structured, they stopped them from just bleeding out the water and created lush forests and farming from them, using their animals as well, and that stewardship to bring back the life in the soil. Yeah. And it's gaining popularity. Yeah. Abu Dhabi. I mean, where it's uh, like nothing but sand all the way to the ocean, and now there's cities and parks and trees in Abu Dhabi because of, man, having dominion. Anything else? All right, moving on. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created them. God created humanity, that is man. Man, humanity. Male and female. What are some things that I can know just from that statement? Okay, that there are, why are there two? Okay. Okay, we're not there yet, but why are there two? Because God said so. That's really all I can take from that. Because God said so. There are two. Okay. Um, What else can I take from this? If man, humanity, is male and female, which is better? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. So, 
the implication of that is what? That they are equal. In the sight of God, maleness and femaleness is his pleasure. You know, it's really his pleasure. Male and female. Female, female, male. Female, 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 male, male. Okay? That's his pleasure. So, obviously, he created Adam first. We're not there, but go ahead. Go ahead. But part of our cultural, like, male over female, other than, obviously, it's stated to be... Patriarchy. But being male, or Adam being first, and then he kind of, like... Yeah, there's a Jewish prayer that says, thank you, God, for not making me a woman. What? You go, where did that come from? Really? Are you kidding me? They obviously don't read the Torah very closely there. We will, and I don't want to jump ahead to Adam and Eve and God's design in marriage. I want to simply look at maleness and femaleness. Right now, masculinity and femininity. So we see the buzzword of the last five years is gender binary. Gender binary. It's like, okay. Male and female. Male and female. Um, there's, a, there's a really fancy word, it's a great word ontology. Ontology. It is the way a thing is. It is essentially reality. Ontology is gender binary. What in me betrays that I am a man? Why am I a man? Okay. Okay. God made me a man. You imply something. You said it's in my DNA. If it's in my DNA, it's in what? Every cell in my body is a masculine cell. Every cell in my body betrays an XY chromosome. The male heart is different than the female heart. The male heart is generally bigger than the female heart. A male, the male bone composition is different than the female bone composition. This is one of the things that just kind of almost startled me. I have my hand on my wife's back and feeling her scapula. And knowing my scapula, go, and her scapula. It's little. It's little compared to mine. You know. Down to your very genomes. Uh, writing in 2001, the Institute of Medicine Committee on Understanding the Biology of Sex and Gender Differences. Uh, Teresa Wiseman and Mary Lou Purdue uh, noted that I mean, even within the genomes of your cell, you're different. You're different. Interesting because there's, they're different, and yet they're the same. And we know this here in this church because there's a woman that we know who is alive today because she has her father's kidney. She's got a male kidney. She's doing just great. Yeah, whoa. 
You know, it's, it's different, but it's not different enough. I mean, it's still the same. I look and I see eyeballs. Everyone's got two eyeballs. Crazy. Um, today, we're going, ah, we're not different. We're not different, really. Well, the, the athletes, athletes are going, hey, wait, wait, stop. We're different. Okay, which athletes right now are going, hey, there's a difference? Female athletes. Well, and also, you say, you know, it, it won't be long before the men are doing it too, though, if you, if you continue to let women who identify as men compete, because it's going to affect, like when you say women in war, like, well, yeah. there's, a, well there's, a, there's a natural there's, inclination to be protective of you, so I do not want to tackle you to the ground. Okay. <laughs> There, but there's as far as in competition, the guys are going, yeah, they can come on in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to race? Okay, well, race. Great. <laughs> but the other way, where dudes are going into women's sport, going, I'm a girl. They, they don't. They don't. They're destroyed. They're destroyed. Why? Their bodies are different. Male stamina is much greater. Male strength is much greater. The physical structure. The military, the military is really trying to play the, the, the game here. They're all, all the same physically. But even the military goes, we're all the same, but the athletic tests are all going to be different. You know, the running times are going to be different. The push-ups that you have to do will be different. And now we're trying to, you know, how can we get away from this so that we can be all the same? Marine Corps just recently did that. The POT is all the same all the way across the board. If you want to be, if you want to be in the infantry, right. you have to do pull-ups. So it would be interesting to know, did they bring it down? Did they bring the bar down so women can make it? Or do they go, everybody's got to get across this That's mountain? They left it alone. They said, in combat, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to do these things in order to do it. And it significantly dropped. I mean, there were women that were capable of doing it, but the, the, the numbers significantly yeah. dropped. From God created them male and female. Okay, so the physical structure is different. So, random question you might know the answer to that has little to do with the grand scheme of this, but if a man who identifies as a woman is in the military, which PT test do they have to take? Which prison is he going to go to? <laughs> that is, that right now, that's one of the big... You know, if a guy identifies as a woman, is he going to go to a woman's prison? Are the women going to want that? Nope. Yeah, no. So, I mean, we're just, we are, we are, we are, we're juggling hand grenades with no pins, you know? Um, so the physical, the, just the, the basic physical structure is different. Our hearts... You know, I might be able to have your heart. You might be able to have my heart should I die. Great. That's wonderful. But you know something? We're different reproductively as well. Okay. Really different. I think you guys all know that. Physiologically. The male hormone? Testosterone. Testosterone. The female hormones, <laughs> cocktail, <laughs> progesterone, estrogen. estrogen, you know, that, I don't know if they combine to make oxytocin, okay, testosterone, lots of testosterone does what? <laughs> progesterone and estrogen. This is a very interesting book. Uh, was uh, 
1986, George Gilder. He's not a Christian, but I want to read something. I've read it before in here. But these, these are studies, studies, studies. St- you know, why? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. These things come out from time to time like, oh, they're different. All crazy. Who knew? From conception to maturity, men and women are subjected to different hormonal influences that shape their bodies, brains, and temperatures in different ways. This is as it is. This is the way it is. The man is rendered more aggressive, exploratory, volatile, competitive, and dominant. More visual, abstract, impulsive, more muscular, appetitive, and tall. He is less nurturant, moral, domestic, stable, and peaceful. Less auditory, verbal, and sympathetic. Less durable, healthy, and dependable. Less balanced and less close to the ground. He is more compulsive sexually and less secure. Within his own sex, he is more inclined to affiliate upwards toward authority and less inclined to affiliate downward toward children or to the weak and the needy. This is across cultures. Studies across cultures. Anthropology, endocrinology, looking at people, behavior. You know, there's a huge hue and cry in our country today to go, why are there so many blacks in prison compared to whites? Okay, that's, that's an issue that is, is, has a needful discussion. But you want to know an even greater statistic? Men and women in prison. 92% of the prison population is... Oh, you sexist pigs. 92% of people in prison are men. Is that because of sexism? Why is that? Because of what I just read. Why is that? Because we were created differently. Why? For God's good purposes. For God's good pleasure. And for balance. Balance to the force. (laughs) You're, You're right. You know, what would a world of just men look like? War. It would look like, it would, it would be a world of war. Okay, there'd be no, there would be no procreation. Okay. It's all the time. It's, it's all the time. Yes. Killing, screaming. Okay. Everyone is always hungry. You know, we're going to make a competition out of anything. Now, let's see who can drive this ball the furthest. So. Forty million, forty million person disparity. We're going to get into that in a little bit because of the problems, ultimately with that. You know, you try and think of what is uh, what is what a world of all women look like. Yeah, I, I, as a guy, I can't I can't say I'm going to get I'm going to get in trouble. But with all of these differences in in our physicality in our physiology down to ourselves would it not make sense then that spiritually we are different also our spirits would incline differently within we certainly see social behaviors the women are different you know, that a woman is more compassionate in the church. What a blessing. Who typically has the gift of mercy? A woman. <laughs> a woman. We had a reviewing adjectives this week in my house, and one of the words that they said for describing, they said decided to be 
mom and dad, it was grace. On mom's side, not definite. But that is that is why God commands us all to be gracious. Okay, and we'll, we're going to look at this more and more as we look at the melding of husband and wife and the blessing that comes from that. Let's talk about here briefly the problems because I'm surely not going to get through everything today, obviously. Uh, let's, let's get into the problems. Uh, let's talk the one that everybody's going to make the big thing of because it's one that is absolute and you can see it and that's physical malformation. Okay, where the baby is born and they go, is it a boy or is it a girl? And the tests were inconclusive. Okay, how often is that? It is, it is not very often. It is not very often. Okay, and that is a hard, hard situation. You know, go into DNA testing to determine... You know, do I raise my child as a boy or a girl? Mm. You know, wow. Ah. And I I'm not equipped to answer that here in the scope of this class. But that is, a, that is a real thing. But let's talk about the thing that we are barraged with day in and day out. And that is the broken soul. The broken soul who says, I don't feel like a guy. I don't feel like a guy. Or go, I like other guys. I'm attracted, like my heart, I get, my, my throat gets tight, my palms get sweaty when I get around another guy. You know, what, what do I do with this? Okay, and this is where the world has no answer. The world goes, go for it. Have fun. Kerosene. Let me put some kerosene on that. And only in the gospel of Jesus Christ can I understand my brokenness. Okay? As my brother was born with a disease that is killing him now. If we can be born broken physically, and this gets into the fall, you know, we're going to talk about this in the fall, what all things happen in the fall. I can also be physically, or spiritually, sorry, spiritually broken. You know, Sure. Is, is, is there environmental influences? Yeah. Are there sociological influences? Yeah. I mean, when everybody's pushing you that way, you go, oh, I think I'll try it. But apart from that, this, this inclination has been there since the dawn of time. Not, no, not true. Since the, the fall. Fall forward. This is where, as a saint, I have to plead for ontology. I have to plead, especially if it's a brother or sister in Christ. If it's a lost soul who doesn't care, I still want to love them in the gospel. I still want to maybe have a relationship and maybe have an opportunity to share gospel hope with them. But if it's a saint, and saints struggle with these things, they do. They struggle with it in the church. It is real. Believers who love the living God and want to honor the living God, and they're going, then why do I? Because I know it's, I know God speaks against it. But God speaks against adultery too. And God speaks against sex outside of marriage. And these are all things that happen. They're inclinations of a wicked heart. And I have to go back to the reality that God created us male and female and God created us for one another, male and female, this way. So I can't have my autonomy rule over ontology. Ontology, reality, must trump my autonomy. 
I must cling to God's truth and God's command. I must, I must as a saint, minister to the broken, to encourage purity. And we'll talk about what my options are sexually when we get into the two shall be one flesh. And you know, what are my options here? But let me, let me declare this unwaveringly, that there is sufficiency and wholeness to be found only in Jesus Christ. Only in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to talk more about this next week. I'm going to pick up right here. I'll try and mark my sheet because I'm out of time. Uh, we'll come back and touch on this a little bit. Um, anybody have any want uh, want to talk to this before we we wrap up? I mean, I've kind of just stuck our toe in the water of a very big and serious issue in our culture right now, which is why we're looking at Genesis here in this time time frame. All right, let's let's bow. Uh, God, we do bow because we are not sufficient for these things. Um, wow. Uh, we stand on your truth that you have made us male and female. And what does that mean? Uh, it means we're different. How so? Uh, we look in your word to see what you intended for man and woman within your word. And Father, we want to bring you glory in our maleness and our femaleness. In the fact that we are created children of the living God. And we want to please you. So God, give us wisdom. Help us to trust your word. Abide in your word. And bring you glory in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.